My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you are having a wonderful week. And I've been in a conference at the time of recording this. My father in the faith, Brother Keith Moore, uh, founder of Faith Life Church and More Life Ministries, they have a conference entitled Week of Increase. And I've been in the middle of this conference, and so I'm recording um, kind of in the middle of the week here. And I really like doing this because I've been getting filled up. And so I enjoy being able to minister out of that place. Um, A lot of times there's something fresh and there's a fresh flow and an anointing and I'm thankful for it. But um, I'm not going to waste a lot of time. I want to hop right into my topic today. And the title of today's message, as you will see, is a priority mentality. And I want to get into this for a few minutes, a priority mentality. This is something that I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart recently, Um, and you'll see why and and what it applies to. But I felt like the Lord said to me recently, Ben, I don't want you to have a poverty mentality. I want you to have a priority mentality. I've mentioned this a couple times on the podcast. But, you know, there's a lot of people that have a poverty mentality. And they they always buy the cheapest thing. Um, They always, you know, pinch pennies. They don't expect to ever do anything better than where they're at. And we do not want to have a poverty mentality. Because it's acting like God can't do better. (laughs) But there's a difference between a poverty mentality and a priority mentality. Let me get into some scripture and you'll see more and more what we're talking about. In Matthew 6.33, you know this verse, you've probably heard it, but it is still good. It's still juicy. And don't let the fact that you have heard it before keep you from getting something out of this verse today. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Um, And the verses leading up to this, he talks a lot about the heart. And he talks uh, a lot about not praying and fasting just for a show. He mentions, I think it's in verse 19, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And he talks about not serving two masters. We've talked about this some recently on the podcast. Where your heart is, the condition of your heart, um, not having a divided heart, not trusting in something other than God, not serving two masters. He talks a lot about the heart, and the heart has a lot to do with what led up to Matthew 6.33, which is talking about seeking first the kingdom of God, and all these things that you need and desire being added unto you. And so without taking a lot of time to build a foundation here, um, the thing that reveals the heart the most is priorities. The thing that reveals the heart the most is your priorities. And the thing that reveals your priorities is not only what you put first. That's a big part of it what you put first. But at the same time, it's not only what you put first. And this is what I kind of want to emphasize to you today. It's what you give your best to. Because here's the thing. You can put God first 
technically doesn't necessarily mean you gave them your best. What do I mean by that? Doesn't mean you put your whole heart into it. Um, you can put God at the top of the list and you can reserve the best for second. <laughs> do you see that? When he says seek first the kingdom of God, he's not only talking about the number on the list. He's talking about the place it has in your heart. And it's not only about giving something to God first. It is about that, and that's important, and that is a revelation of your priorities. Absolutely. But it's not limited to that. It's also about giving God your best and what you put your whole heart into. You know, let me say it to you this way. Technically, you can do something first with half of your heart. You know, what wasn't it John Mayer that sang it? Half of your heart won't do. Half of my heart won't do. You know, half of your heart won't do. What, what is that? You know, I can read my Bible first thing in the morning, kind of. <laughs> you know, I, I, can, I can technically, quote unquote, put God first in the morning, but did I put my heart into it? You know, what's the purpose of putting God first in your day? The purpose of putting God first is to give Him your best, to give Him the, the, the best part of your energy, the best part of your attention, the best part of your focus. And giving that to God first, it's not just about the number on the list, it's about giving Him your best. Does that make sense? The highest quality of your attention span. <laughs> Does that make sense? I know you can't answer me, but hopefully it does. So it's not only about what you technically do first, that's important, but it's also about what you put your whole heart into first and what you give your best to. Let me, let me read you some more scriptures to explain what I mean. In Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1, he said, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. He said, remember your creator, serve him in your youth. Now, this isn't saying you can't serve God when you're old. No, uh, our best days are ahead of us in God. We grow from glory to glory. We go from faith to faith. Absolutely. But there's also a principle in serving God with your prime years. Because no matter what, no matter how much faith you have, the temple you're in has an expiration date. And there will come a time when you don't have as much energy and you don't have as much strength. And we're not supposed to spend our young years sowing all our wild oats and just doing whatever we want to do. And then and later in our life, kind of finally getting around to serving God. You know, if you hear that dog barking, he's just saying amen. He's just agreeing. You know, we're not giving God the last. Does that make sense? Now, you can serve God with all your heart in your later years. Don't misunderstand me. And we go from glory to glory. We increase constantly. But there's a principle in this about giving God your best. In the Message Bible, it says, Honor and enjoy your Creator while you're still young. See, the dog agrees. If you can hear him barking, he's just agreeing with me. Before the years take their toll and your vigor wanes, before your vision dims and the world blurs and the winter years keep you close to the fire. <laughs> he's saying, give God your best years. Now, again, 
we know that the best is yet to come. We know that our best days are ahead of us. I mean, heaven is in our future. And we go from glory to glory. That is true. And yet, these human vessels we're in, they are not going to last forever. And we don't want to waste time and wait until we're at the end of our life to try and start serving God. We want to give God our best. We want to give Him our, our fullest amount of energy, amount of attention. Amen. And it's easy to think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really serve God one day. One day, man, I'm really going to get after it, and I'm going to serve God. I, I'm really going to give myself to it one day. But, you know, time is going by, and we're using up energy, and we're using up resources, and we don't want to give God second best. We don't want to give God second best of our day. We don't want to give God second best of our year. We don't want to give God second best of our life. And listen, even if you messed everything up and you lived wrong for many years, hey, God will redeem the time if you'll repent and serve him with your whole heart. God is well able to redeem the time. I mean, I heard uh, one person say this, you know, look at what God did with Jesus in just three years, (laughs) you know, three years of ministry, you know, and you say, well, that's Jesus. Yeah, but he was fully submitted to the Father and serving him with his whole heart. Well, If we fully submit to the Father and serve Him with our whole heart, God can accomplish so much in a short amount of time. So that's not to say it's too late or anything like that. No, don't believe that lie. Um, As long as you're breathing, you can serve God with all your heart. But we don't want to live our life acting like we're just going to be doing what we're doing forever and we'll eventually get to doing something for God. That's not a right mentality. That's why we're talking about a priority mentality. And the biggest thing is it's not an age thing, it's a heart thing. You understand? This is a heart mentality. This is a heart thing that we're talking about. Um, in James, the, uh, the fourth chapter, uh, he says that uh, to purify your hearts, you double-minded. He said, purify your heart, you double-minded. Um, let me say it to you this way. A divided mind has to do with a wrong heart. Jesus mentioned singleness of vision. And, and, you know, that has to do with not giving your whole heart and mind to the Lord. And I know, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, I can't give everything to the Lord right now. You know, I have a job. I have this. And I have that. And I have family and all these kind of things. Well, um, no matter where you are right now, that's not true. You can give your whole heart to the Lord. Uh, Ephesians 6. I'll read this to you real quick. In verse 5, he's talking about those who are employed. And he said, uh, serve them with humility in your hearts. This is in the Passion Translation. As though you were working for the master. Always do what is right, and not only when others are watching, that you may please Christ as his servants by doing his will. Serve your employers wholeheartedly and with love as though you were serving Christ and not men. So no, this is not talking about... Uh, whether or not you have a job or a family or whatever the case is, the Bible says all that you do, do it to the glory of God. But we're talking about a heart condition here and a mentality of priorities and, and what's most important to you, serving God or serving mammon, serving God or serving yourself, or serving God or serving some other thing. Amen. But continuing in James chapter 4, Down in verse 13, he says this, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to such and such a city, spend a year there, 
buy and sell and make a profit. He said, whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What's he saying? He's saying life is short. And you're saying, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that eventually. We're going to make this amount of money. And he's saying, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. He said, instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. And he ends it all in verse 17 by saying, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. What's he talking about? He's talking about putting the things off that are most important because you say, well, we're going to do this first. We're going to do this. We're going to go here. We're going to make this profit. We're going to do this. And then we'll get to that. But he's saying, buddy, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to make that money. You don't know if that's going to work out. So don't put off what you know to do today. Do you see that? Don't put off what's most important. Don't give your best to something else. Do you see that? You Because here's the thing. If you do that, you might find that you don't ever have a chance to do what you thought you would eventually do. And not only that, if your priorities are wrong, then you're actually opening a door to the enemy to be able to shave years off your life and to see to it that you never get a chance to do what God has called you to do. Amen. Glory to God. You know, we don't want to put things off indefinitely. And the biggest thing is we need to know what's most important right now. We want to know what's most important today. And, 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 you know, there is a right time for certain things. There is an appointed time for certain seasons and certain promotions and certain things in our call of God. We understand that. We're not talking about trying to be somewhere you're not. But you also got to be careful about trying to not be somewhere you are. That just came right out of my spirit. You don't want to try to be somewhere you are not. But you also want to be careful about trying to not be where you are. (laughs) Oh, man, that's pretty good. You want to be careful about trying to not be where you are. And that's also a problem. And God has put something in your hand, and you want to to do with it what he's called you to do with it, with all your heart, and not put it off, and, and just let days and years go by and waste time when life is short. And we don't have endless years to waste. That's what he's saying. And how do we do that? How do we utilize what God has given us? Priorities. A priority mentality. See, God can give you unlimited resources, but if you don't have a priority mentality, you're going to end up wasting it. Uh, Jesus told his disciples after he had fed the 5,000, he said, gather the fragments that nothing be wasted. Do you see that? God is a God of overflow, but he's not a God of waste. And there is an assignment on the overflow. But if you keep showing God over and over and over again that all you do is waste things, then it makes it difficult for him to add more things to you. Now, let me qualify that. I'm not talking about what the world calls waste. You know, Judas looked at Mary and said, you wasted that alabaster box by breaking it on Jesus. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what God calls valuable. And what God says is a waste. We're talking about how God sees things. And it's different from the world's value system. You know, the Bible says, if you give everything you have, but you don't have love, it profits you nothing. In other words, it was a waste. See, God's looking at the heart. 
the motive of a thing. Amen. But in talking about, you know, there's a right time for certain things. There's a right time to do this. There's a right time to do that. And that's true. But let me ask you this. When is the right time to seek the kingdom first? When is the right time to prioritize God's things first? That's the right time. (laughs) There's no debate about when the right time is to prioritize the things of God and what God is telling you to do, what he has told you to do. It's first. It's easy. That's the, the acceptable time to put God first is first. That makes sense. Amen. And I'll say this, I'll include this in that, you know, just because you have a vision in your heart for the kingdom doesn't mean it's time to do that particular thing yet. Um, there is an appointed time for the visions that are in your heart, um, that are in your heart, excuse me. Um, you know, I've said this before and you may have heard this, but Brother Keith Moore talks about how, you know, when he was serving Brother Hagin, he was holding Brother Hagin's jacket for him. And the Lord spoke to his heart and he said, if I came back right now, you're doing the, watch this, most important thing you could be doing. Why? He's helping Brother Hagin with his ministry. And so it's not about rushing into a certain season of what you're called to do, but you need to know what's most important right now and do that with all your heart. Put that first. That's a priority mentality. And that's how you redeem the time. The Bible talks about in Ephesians not being foolish uh, and walking uh, with a, a, um, a lack of an awareness of what's most important. He said, but knowing what the will of the Lord is and redeeming the time. Well, how do you redeem the time? You know God's will for right now. You're seeking his will. You know what he wants done right now. And that's how you redeem the time. You have the right priorities. And there may be things in your heart that are for an appointed time that are not here yet. But in the meantime, you can do what's right in front of you with all of your heart as unto the Lord. Do you see that? That's pretty good. Praise God. I'm getting something out of it. Look at this in John 7. I'll mention this. uh, Verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, and he didn't walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Uh, Jesus wasn't stupid. Jesus wasn't proud. Jesus didn't go around trying to prove something to everybody. Are you listening? (laughs) It says, Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. And I'll say this too. Jesus didn't walk on the water in front of everybody. He walked on the water in front of his disciples. That's a whole other thing. I'll just mention it. His brothers said to him, uh, Depart from here and go into Judea. Uh, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. You got to be careful about taking advice from people who don't value the things of God and who don't value spiritual things more than natural things. Because people will try to tell you, hey, why, why are you still there? Why are you still at that church? Why are you still there? You, you, you depart from there and go over here. You need to go to this school. You need to do this thing. Depart from that. You, you could be doing so much more. I've had people tell me, um, you know, are you going to use your position with this church to, to leverage it for a better position at another church? And I said, no. <laughs> now, I'm not judging them, you know, but, but I said, no, I'm not going to do that. You, you got to be careful about this sensual and demonic wisdom. And, and they said, you know, you need to be do the, doing this. They said, for no one. Uh, does anything in secret while he, he himself seeks to be known openly. Now that's in direct contradiction to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, which was, 
do your good works before your heavenly father, go into your uh, closet in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But they're saying, oh no, you got to do it openly if you want to be known by people. What are they revealing? They're revealing who they're listening to. Because it's the opposite of what the father gave Jesus in Matthew 5. It's the opposite of what the Lord downloaded in Jesus's heart. He said, do it in secret and I'll reward you openly. But they're saying, oh, no, 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 you got to do it openly. Mm -mm, No. See, Jesus knows better. He's listening to the Father. He knows the Lord's will, and he's actually redeeming the time. (laughs) Because he only had three years on this earth. And so he didn't have time to waste. He really didn't have time to waste. And so he knew uh, that's not right. Look at what he says. It says his brothers didn't even believe in him. And Jesus said, my time has not yet come. But your time is always ready. What's he saying? He's saying, your agenda is always ready. There, there is no right time for you. There is no priority for you. It's just do what you got to do. Anytime, you know, we'll be fine. But what's he saying? My time has not yet come. What's he emphasizing to them? There is a right time, even though you don't think there is. You think, oh, I'm just going to promote myself. I'm just going to try to make this happen, do this right now. No. Not true. Jesus said, my time has not yet come. You know, I think there's some imbalance in people saying, well, God's not, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. There's a truth in that, in the right context, when it comes to things that God has already accomplished in Christ that we need to receive by faith. There are things that we are not waiting on God for. But there are other things that have appointed times. And Jesus said, my time has not yet come. And Jesus could not have just done it whenever he wanted to do it. That's what they're trying to get him to do. But Jesus is aware of the will of his Father, and he's saying, no, no, my time's not coming yet, and I'm not doing anything until I get a green light from the Father. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about redeeming the time and knowing what's most important right now. Uh, Jesus knew this was not the time for me to be doing that. There's something else I need to be doing right now. There's something I need to be doing in secret. See, a lot of people are in too much of a hurry to get out in the open. But the thing that you really need to focus on is what's happening in secret because that's the substance. That's what's going to sustain you. Do you see that? That's what's going to sustain you. And, and in many cases, the thing that's most important is what's happening in secret, not what's happening openly. And, and if you don't get the secret place right, then the public place is destined to fall. That's why you need to have the right priorities to know what's most important. And he said, my time has not yet fully come. And he remained in Galilee. Now, the Bible tells us that right after this, he went up secretly. And I think that's interesting, too. (laughs) You know, Jesus had enough wisdom to know not everybody needs to know I'm going to this thing. So in light of that, look at this in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. It says, whatever your, your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. He said, there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. What's he saying? Time is clicking by, so what's in your hand right now, do it with all of your might. That's what he's saying. In the Message Bible, it says, seize life, eat bread with gusto, drink wine with a robust heart. Oh, yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp on colors and scarves. 
Relish life with the spouse you love each and every day of your precarious life. Each day is God's gift. If all you get in exchange for the hard work of, of staying alive, oh, I'm sorry, it's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. Make the most of each one. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it heartily. Now, this is the Message Bible, you understand. I don't build many doctrines on the Message Bible, but I like the message that it's communicating, the message, no pun intended, because it's saying don't waste the gift of a day. Don't waste time. Don't don't waste the gift of a day by prioritizing things that don't really matter. Do you see that? Don't, don't waste the gift of a day by getting so consumed with a bunch of stuff that really doesn't matter long term. Make the most out of each day. Make the most out of what God's given you. Don't waste right now. In Galatians 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we don't faint. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Well, the Lord asked me this question recently in a time of prayer. He said, Ben, what is well-doing? And when I looked it up, I saw that it has to do with putting your whole heart into a thing making it beautiful, giving it something extra, really taking your time with the thing, taking time with it to ensure the quality, you know, quality assurance. This is what well-doing has to do with, and he says, as we therefore have opportunity. Well, we have opportunity every day, and if a day goes by and we haven't done something for God, I guarantee you we missed an opportunity somewhere. If a day goes by and you're unsatisfied? Well, what did Jesus tell his disciples? He said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. One of the reasons why people are unsatisfied is because they're letting days go by without doing the will of the Father and without knowing his will. And that's why he said, don't live that way. Don't walk that way. You need to redeem the time by knowing God's will for each and every day. And you find out God's will for each and every day by putting him first and giving him your best. Amen. In Isaiah 1, verse 17, he said, learn to do well. Well, if you don't know how to do well, what should you do? You should learn <laughs> to do well. Down in verse 19, he said, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword. Down in verse 22, he says, Your silver has become dross, and your wine is mixed with water. What happened? It got watered down. The quality of it wasn't good. Why? Because of neglect. Because of not putting your whole heart into something. Half of a heart put into a job is revealed in the quality of what it produces. Do you see that? And a willingness and an obedience has to do with doing well, doing something with your whole heart, really making it shine. Now, it's not talking about the quality of a thing after the flesh, because in a lot of cases, you don't have control over that, but it's about you doing the best with what you have, doing your best with what you have and giving it your best. God's not concerned about the natural quality of a thing. He's looking at the quality of the heart. And 
If you obey God half-heartedly, it affects the quality of what God told you to do. That's why you must be willing and obedient to eat the good of the land. I mean, if you're if you're not putting your whole heart into sowing the crops, it's not going to produce good crops. So how can you eat the good of the land if you didn't sow the good of the land? That just came right out of my spirit. Praise God. How can you eat the good of the land if you'd never sowed the good of the land? What did he say in 2 Corinthians? If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Amen. Glory to God. Do you see that? If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. If you sowed the good, you'll reap the good. If you put your whole heart into it, it's going to show up in the quality of what it produces. Amen. Look at this in Hosea uh, verse uh, chapter 7, and starting in verse 6. He said, They've made their heart ready like an oven. <laughs> While they lie in wait, their baker sleeps all night, and the morning it burns as a flaming fire. He compares the heart to an oven. Well, what would affect the, the quality of something that is baked? Watch this, the temperature of the oven. The temperature of the oven. In Romans 12, he tells us to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That word fervent literally means to bring something to a boil. Now, let me ask you a question. Can you cook noodles in lukewarm water? Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Can, can you cook noodles in lukewarm water? What's going to happen? They will not be good noodles. <laughs> They will be hard noodles that are slightly warm and wet, and that's just nasty. <laughs> you understand? And what do you do with something that's half-cooked? Watch this. You spew it out of your mouth. What did he say in Revelations? He said, because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. What's he talking about? The lack of heart that's going into this thing is unappetizing to God. He goes on to say they are all hot as an oven and have devoured their judges. All their kings are fallen. There is none among them that calls unto me. He, watch this. He said Ephraim has mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. What does that mean? A half-cooked cake. A half-cooked pancake, you could say. What is that? That's poor quality. Not good. <laughs> and if something is half cooked, when it's supposed to be fully cooked, that is an indication of neglect, not paying attention, and rushing through things. And, and what was the reason? Because he mixed himself among the people, among many things. Being mixed with a bunch of things is going to cause you to neglect the important things. This happened with Mary and Martha. She was distracted with all these other things. But what did Jesus say? One thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part. The good part. What is that? The best. And it won't be taken away from her. Are you investing the most of your time and energy and resources in things that are going to end up being taken away from you? Hmm? If you are. Are you giving God your best? Because he said one thing is needful. I need to be investing the majority of my strength, my time, my attention in things that will not be taken away from me. Do you see that? In Matthew 25, we see a picture of this. The lazy and wicked servant buried his talent. And what did, what did he say? He said, you're wicked. 
you're lazy, take it away from him and give it to those who already have, because to him that has, more will be given, and to him that doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away. What happened? He was lazy, he buried it in the ground, he didn't put his whole heart into the assignment. Do you see that? God wants us to get the most out of what's right in front of us. Now, listen to this. Um, In verse 9 of Hosea chapter 7, this is significant. He said, strangers have devoured his strength, and he knows it not. Yes, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knows it not. Oh, my goodness. What is he saying? Strangers have devoured his strength. And he doesn't even realize it. His hair is getting gray and he doesn't even realize it. What's happening? He's aging himself prematurely because of what he's giving himself to and what he's giving his strength to. But what did the Bible say about those who wait on the Lord? They'll renew their strength. And when, when, you're, when you're feeding on the right thing, Psalm 103 says he renews your youth. Like the eagles. Well, what's the way of real, uh, realizing when you're giving yourself to God, you're renewed. You're renewed. Your youth is renewed. When you're giving yourself to the right thing, what is that? That's redeeming the time. Ooh, man. What is it to renew your youth? Renew your youth and redeeming the time are the same thing. I just saw that now. To renew your youth is to redeem your time. Amen. Why did it happen? Because you waited on the Lord. Because you were satisfied with good things. Ooh, come on. He said, he satisfies my mouth with the best things. Ooh, the most important things. And his youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise God. But what would keep you from doing that? What would cause you to be aging prematurely and not even realize it? Giving your strength to strangers. Oh, man. Giving your best to strangers. What did Jesus tell us in John chapter 10 about strangers? He said, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger's voice they will not follow. And he goes on to talk about how it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief of what? The thief of your strength. The thief of your best. The thief of your best years. (laughs) The thief of the best part. Trying to take that away from you. Trying to steal your strength. And look at this in Proverbs 5, 8. We see something similar. I know I'm reading you a lot of scripture, but it's worth it. He says this, talking about the adulterous woman. He said, remove your way far from her and don't come near the door of her house. Now, what's the problem? Not getting away from the wrong thing. Um, This starts by... There being too much proximity where there shouldn't be. Now, he said in James chapter 4 earlier, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. But can I tell you something else that's just as true? If you draw near to sin, sin will not stay stationary. Sin will draw near to you. That's coming right out of my spirit. If you draw near to iniquity, honey, iniquity will draw near to you. Listen, if you flash your eyes at wrong spirits, they will not play hard to get. They will come a courting. You understand? 
And when you draw near to God, God draws near to you. But if you draw near to iniquity, oh, it, it'll meet you halfway. This is why he said, remove your way far from her. Don't even go near it. You know, I was just quoting John chapter 10. He said, a thief climbs up some other way. And I'll say this to you. The higher your standards are, all it does is make it harder for the thief to climb up. Because the shepherd, watch this, comes through the front door. He goes on to say, watch this, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel, lest strangers, watch this, be filled with your wealth and your labors be in the house of a stranger. What's he talking about? Giving your best to a stranger, to something else that you should not be giving it to. And he said, you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. What's that, old age? And say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof? And I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. What's he talking about here? What was the problem? Not obeying and not paying attention to the voice of his instructors, not knowing the will of God. And he goes on to talking about enjoying the wife of your youth. Well, some of my favorite verses, but we won't get into that today. But he said, you gave your years and your wealth and your labor to a stranger, somebody who doesn't even value it. What did Jesus say? Don't cast your pearls before swine and don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Do you see that? There are people who are anointed but they've given themselves to the dogs. There are people that have given their honor to strangers. Why? Not knowing what's most valuable. Not recognizing what's valuable. Not realizing that this veil of flesh that's pulling on them is deception. Amen. I'll, I'll mention this as well. It, it talks about giving your wealth to strangers. You know, a lot of the reason people have financial problems is because they're giving their wealth to the wrong things. Their, their resources are being drained by things that are not important, that are not a priority, and that have no value, and that they're not going to get any long-term benefit out of. Now, I'm not telling you you have to cancel all your subscriptions. You understand? But I am telling you that if you'll have a priority mentality, then you'll see increase. How do I know that? Because he said, if you'd seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Look at this in 1 Timothy 4.13. We're starting to wrap up here. He said, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation. And to doctrine. Don't neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy, by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. He said, Meditate upon these things, give yourself wholly to them, that your profiting may appear to all. So let me ask you this How holy are you giving yourself to the gift that is in you? Because here's the thing. How holy you're giving yourself to that thing has to do with the quality of what you're producing. If you are mixed in a bunch of other things and distracted by a bunch of other things, it's going to affect the quality. 
it's going to affect the temperature of your heart. Let me say it to you this way. A divided heart is a lukewarm oven. A divided heart is a heart that will produce half-baked cakes. <laughs> you understand? And listen, none of us like things that are half-baked and watered down. I know people like their steaks rare. That's fine. But, you know, I like my steaks well done, and you may think there's something wrong with that. But he said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And I'm, I got scripture. I don't know that you do, but that's okay. We won't talk about that anymore. But in 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen, he says this. Uh, he's talking about the different gifts in the body of Christ. And he's talking, talking about people that have different places, different parts, different operations in the body. And he says, God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it pleased him. Now, why does it please him? Because he knows where everybody needs to be to work together to accomplish the mission. And he knows what is the most effective place for each person to be to redeem the time. You understand? God knows. And he fitly joins us together for us to increase in God through the nourishment of every joint and supply. But this is the thing I want to mention to you in the last few minutes of this podcast. You can be at the right place at the right time doing the right things. You can be in your right place in the body of Christ. But it's still important to have a right heart and right priorities in that place. Brother Hagen wrote a book called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And in that book, he mentions and talks about how you can be on the plan, you can um, be pursuing the right thing, but you can have the wrong purpose in your heart. And, and, and if your heart is off and your priorities are wrong, you could be at the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right things and yet only be giving half of your heart to it. Do you see that? Only giving yourself to it in a measure. And if that's the case, you're still not in God's perfect will. Why? God wants you to be at the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. But more than anything, he wants you to have the right heart and right priorities. See, you can be where you're supposed to be. You can be doing what you're supposed to be doing. You can be in your place. But if you're only giving it half of a heart, you're still not going to be totally aligned with him. He said, if you be willing and obedient, if you're putting your whole heart into the thing, you have to have a right heart. You have to have right priorities. You can have everything that you need in hand, but if you line it up wrongly, if you put it together wrongly, if you get that piece of furniture from Ikea, you've got all the pieces there, but if you put it together wrong, it's not going to be right. You understand? You won't be able to enjoy it. Something's off. You, you, you missed an instruction. Oh, there it is. You didn't read the instructions. What did he say in Proverbs? Why didn't I incline my ear to the instruction? Why didn't I find out his will? Because if I had, listen, if I would have read the instructions, I wouldn't have wasted all this time putting this together wrong. I would have redeemed the time by putting it together right the first time. Do you see that? And this is the picture of the body of Christ, all fitly joined together. But many people are out of joint. They're out of line. And God wants us to get in line because when we do that, we can redeem the time. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Now, now I want to point this out to you. This, is, this tickled me. I thought it was funny. You may think it's funny too. Um, over in 1 Chronicles chapter 9, don't sleep on your New Testament. 
there's some good stuff in there. I'm sorry, Old Testament. Don't sleep on your Old Testament, as I meant to say. Don't sleep on your New Testament either. Just read the whole Bible. It'll, it'll, you, you, then you won't have to even worry about it. Um, but this passage in First Chronicles is very similar to First Corinthians 12, because it talks about all the different people and their specifically anointed and appointed place in the temple and the different ministries that they had. And so it's very similar to First Corinthians 12. But look at this in verse 29. This is in the modern English version. He said, Some others were appointed over the furnishings and all the implements of the sanctuary. They're the ones that are putting the furniture together. You understand? They're over the furniture. They're over the decorating. And it says, Some were over the fine flour, the wine, the oil, the frankincense, the spices. And some of the sons of the priests mixed the ointment of the spices. So these are different people who are entrusted with different ministries in the temple. But watch this. It said, uh, Mattathiah, one of the Levites, was entrusted, watch this, with making the flat cakes. He was entrusted with what? Making the flat cakes. What do we just talk about in Hosea? A cake that's half turned, not fully cooked. Is there a ministry in God of flipping pancakes? Let me ask you this. If you're making pancakes for the church, is it a holy ministry? Is it a ministry worth your time and attention and focus? What are we, what are we, what are we saying here? There was somebody in that temple that their job was to make pancakes. Now, I know that their cakes were different than ours, but humor me. You hear what I'm saying? They're flipping hot cakes. That was their ministry. Now, let me ask you a question. If they're putting their whole heart into that ministry, how would, you, how would you know that? How would you measure the heart that's being put into that ministry? The quality of the pancakes. If it comes out gooey in the middle, just kind of thrown together, nasty, not good, well, you know they're not putting their whole heart into it. They're texting. They're, they're doing something else. They're not focused. But if it comes out on a plate, with powdered sugar and strawberries and three different kinds of syrup and decorated and chocolate chips and a whipped cream smiley face. What do you know? They put their heart into it. They did it with their whole heart as unto the Lord. Well, this is true of anything that we're called to do. This is true of what God has called us to do right now. When you put your whole heart into something, it doesn't mean you never make mistakes. It doesn't mean everything's perfect in the natural, but the heart was perfect. You did the best you could with what you had. And that is what it means to be willing and obedient. And that is what causes people to eat the good of the land. Amen. Glory to God. Why would somebody not do a good job with what they have? Why would somebody only put half of their heart into something? Because they didn't value it. They didn't honor it. They didn't see as valuable what God sees as valuable. They didn't see as holy what God sees as holy. They saw what God calls valuable as a waste. This is what happened with Judas, and, and I mentioned it earlier, and Mary, when she broke that perfume on Jesus' head, he said, that's a waste. But God said, it was most important. Why? Because Jesus was almost out of time on the earth, and he said, she's anointed me for my burial. This is holy to God. But much of what the world calls a waste, God calls holy, and much of what uh, the world calls holy, so to speak. God says, that doesn't mean anything to me. 
Priorities. Priorities. We need to have a priority mentality. And learning to do well is learning to put your whole heart into what God has called you to do right now. Giving God your best. The Lord spoke to my heart years ago and he said, Ben, if you want me to give you my best, I need you to give me your best. Amen. If you want me to give you my best, I need you to give me your best. What is that? That's priorities. That's putting your whole heart into something. Let me read this to you. I'm just about done. Of Well, I've got a few more verses. I'm almost done. Uh, Luke 17 and verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So this is what they're asking him about. They're asking him about increasing their faith. And he starts talking to them about faith. And he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? Watch this. But will he not rather say to him, watch this, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and watch this afterward you will eat and drink afterward you will eat and drink he goes on to say does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him he said i think not so likewise you when you have done all those things which you are commanded say we are unprofitable servants we have done what was our duty to do now what's he talking about i i don't believe we should build a doctrine that says you can never say thank you to somebody um, you know, if the Lord tells you not to do it, you need to do what the Lord tells you to do. And he, he tells people to do that in some situations because he knows people feel entitled to that. You understand? But that's the thing I believe he's dealing with in this passage. I don't need a thank you to do what God has told me to do. Why? He's talking to them about faith. If I really have faith that God's going to take care of me for doing what he's called me to do, I don't need people to say thank you. I don't need the praise of men if I'm seeking the honor that comes from God. And there are cases that I'm aware of where God has told people, hey, you don't need to say thank you because, and, and in, to me, I think that's because the people probably thought they were entitled to it and God knew that. I think there are times that God himself may say thank you, but it's not because he has to say it. It's because he chose to and because it blessed him. Something that somebody did blessed him. But he's talking about, Putting the master first before yourself. And after they've eaten and drunk, then afterward, I can eat and drink. There's a principle here about finishing your assignment. See, if you're not putting your whole heart into what's right in front of you, then you're not going to fully accomplish what God has called you to accomplish right now where you are. And what he's saying is, if you will put your whole heart into serving me and serving the people I've told you to serve after they've eaten and drunk, then you can eat and drink. What is this? Priorities. Priorities. What did he say in Philippians 2? Esteem others as better than yourself. Don't only look on your things, but also the things of others. I, I'm, I'm looking for, Lord, how can I put you first? How can I put other people before me and afterwards? Afterwards. I'll eat and drink. Now, this is true of seeking first the kingdom of God and putting his things first before I attend to my natural things, priorities in the kingdom. This is also true of serving other people. He said, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? 
And there does come a time where if you've been faithful with that which is another man's, God will give you that which is your own. But why would it happen? Because you were faithful. Amen. Because you had the right priorities. Last verse, I'll read this to you in John 21, verse 1. It says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. And he lists all the disciples. And Simon said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we're going with you. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And watch this. That night, they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. So can you be at the right place at the right time and Jesus be there with you? And there's no better place for you to be at that time. And yet something needs to be corrected. Is it possible? They're where they're supposed to be. Jesus is there. I mean, would you want to be anywhere else in the world than where Jesus is for the few short days he's left on the earth? No. And they're doing the right thing. Jesus didn't tell them, why are you out there fishing? I haven't called you to do that anymore. No, but watch what he said. He said, children, do you have any meat? <laughs> do you have any meat? Are you satisfied? And they said, no. And he said to them, cast your net, watch this, on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Amen. Cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find. I had the privilege of going to Israel in 2013 and sitting on that lake in a boat that was fashioned after the likeness of the boats of that time, which is just an awesome privilege that I had. And when I was in that boat, I had, I had gone through a couple of disappointing things at the time. And I was kind of asking the Lord about it. You know, Lord, why hasn't this happened? Why hasn't that happened? And while I was in the boat, the Lord spoke to my heart and he brought this scripture up to me and he said, Ben, Cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find. What was he saying to me? Seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness, his rightness, and all these things will be added unto you. You can be in the right boat, on the right lake, with the right people, doing the right thing. But if you keep casting your net on the wrong side of the boat, it's not going to produce anything. You're not going to eat the good of the land. But what's he saying to you? If you'll get your priorities right, if you'll get your heart right, if you'll cast your net on the right side of the boat, you'll find. Amen. Glory to God. Listen, if you have never given your life to Jesus, I'm telling you, don't waste another day. Talk about redeeming the time. Regardless of how much time we have before Jesus comes back, none of us have a lot more time, and you don't know how much time you have. He said, your life is like a vapor. And I want to encourage you, do not put it off. Do not wait for some better opportunity. Don't wait till you get all your little questions answered. Give your heart to the Lord. Just re release your will. Yield to him. You will never regret it for the rest of eternity, I promise you. Reach out to him with all your heart. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Amen. Glory to God. I hope you got something out of this podcast today. I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, he loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks.